Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic that 
I had I really had a fantastic time. It was and it was absolutely awesome. So thank you so much. We're gonna do that. Um, I'd say probably once a month or so, and uh, we'll we'll keep that we'll keep that as one of the features on the Pancakes and Power Sam show because I'm sure that uh, we got so we got such a great following now with different um, media outlets that I'm sure that there's a lot of people who has a lot of questions, you know, about you know me and my love for professional wrestling all of my life. So we'll we'll continue that. We'll make that a feature. Uh, we'll do that probably once a month or so. And uh, I'll definitely keep you updated on the next uh, Q&A episode. Next, big announcement, ladies and gentlemen. I know that uh, it's been buzzing for weeks. I've actually cleared all of my interviews out for this month just to, just to set up for this next interview. November November 3rd, mark your calendar, Tuesday, November 3rd, it will be part two, ladies and gentlemen, with Greg Gagne, he's back, and better than ever, Greg Gagne is back on the show, mark your calendars, Tuesday, November 3rd, part two, and like I said, we've been talking, and like he said at the end of the show, when he was on uh, some Bischoff stuff and some behind-the-scenes stuff. That uh, talk about your shoot. It's going to be. It's going to be shoot. It's going to be the uh, <laughs> the, the PG version of, uh, of a shoot interview with with Greg Gagne. So we're going to have some fun, and he's got he's got a lot of good juicy stories to tell. As you heard at his interview, uh, part one. Uh, so much that we, you know, we had a part, we're having a part two. So again, Tuesday, November 3rd, mark your calendars, part two with Greg Gagne. So I'm I'm very excited about that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. First trivia question of the night. First trivia question of the night. Two-parter, who was the first WWE hardcore champion and how did he win it? Who was the first WWE Hardcore Champion, and how did he win it? All right. Well, I said all the exciting stuff, and now it comes the, the abysmal stuff here. Hey, Chicago, hey, Illinois. Can I, let me. Can I say yeah, go real for quick. It. I want to. Go for <clears throat> it. I uh, earlier this week, I kind of put you over. Somebody's asking me about wrestling and told him about my buddy who is, at first I called you the professional wrestling encyclopedia. And then I had to say, well, wait a minute, let's update this. And I called you, since this is the internet era, I called you the professional wrestling Wikipedia. Not only that, because you you know these things and it doesn't take you long. Usually you can get an answer out of you within you know, seconds, minutes, maybe. It's not like you're like, oh, okay, give me 45 minutes and I'll get back to you. I'll think about it. It, It's amazing how you uh, keep all this vast knowledge of wrestling. Um, When they're, like you you said last week, there have been tough times, but you never faltered. So I commend you. That's, That's been my nickname for you lately, the professional wrestling Wikipedia. Man, I, I incredibly, incredibly appreciate that. And coming from you, out of anyone, it's, it means uh, so much, man. I really appreciate it. It's just, you know, it's one of those things that 
when you know you love something, it's kind of like it's kind of like a brotherhood. You know, it's it, there. There's times, you know, I have a, I have a brother who's a year younger than I am, and there can there can be months and months, you know, without me talking to him or having that connection with him. But as soon as we meet up, you know, we catch up on old times, and you know, no matter what, up and down, we grew up together. So, you know, he's we're only a year apart. We grew up together. There were times we fought. <laughs> there were times that we couldn't stand each other, but we were always there when we grew up together. And my relationship with with pro wrestling is kind of like a brotherhood it's like you know i'm never going to leave you i'm never going to leave you (laughs) although i can't stand you right now ah but i'm never going to leave you and you can count on that and that's and that's really how i feel about uh pro wrestling i think uh me and pro wrestling are, are like uh um you know, we we have a bit of a rift right now because I'm not very happy with what I'm seeing over the past. Really, I don't I don't know I don't know how long to date it back. Really, uh, that I've been actually uber excited about uh, pro wrestling, but I'm never going to leave it. And uh, yeah, you 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 saying that is is incredibly I'm uh, incredibly thankful for it. It means it means much. I really appreciate it. Um, great answer. The correct answer is yes. Mankind uh, and uh, Vince did present it uh, to him backstage. Absolutely, the uh, nice crushed version of the <laughs> the uh, winged eagle. That was a very interesting way to uh, <laughs> debut the hardcore championship. Which actually, r- real quick off the top, what was your what was your most memorable hardcore? championship moment me um that's funny you ask because i just watched this match the other day i'd tell you the wrestlemania 17 kane big show and raven um for some reason that that hardcore match i love it man it stood out to me kane ended up winning that was the one where uh, i believe it was big show was in the golf cart and almost took out raven's leg uh Anybody who has the network, go back and look at that one. It was just actually, for it to be a hardcore match, it was actually just a really good match. Yeah, absolutely. You know what's so funny? Uh, Chrisopedia is what I do. The Chrisopedia. <laughs> That's the nice. comments that I'm getting right now. <laughs> I shall take it. I, I shall don that name, Chrisopedia. Um <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Claps five times is what that comment says here. Um, and uh, you know what's so funny? And I and I and Ryan had no clue that I was going to ask this question. And that was the first match that, and the first moment that came to my mind too, because I've always been. Uh, I, there was times that I, I I was not necessarily a Kane fan, a Kane Mark, but I've always been a Kane advocate in some way. Now, when he first came, I was a big, you know, I've always liked Taker, minus um, the the corporate ministry and the Ministry of Darkness Taker. That was just trash to me. But uh, through, through and through, most of Taker's career, I would say about 85% of Taker's career, I've been a, a big mark of Taker. I would say I'm not a mark of taker. I'm a fan of life. I just like, I just, I'm a huge fan of, a lifelong fan of The Undertaker, except for this year. Watching Taker in the ring, just it, it just hurts my soul because I'm such a big Undertaker fan. But I, I 
for Kane is kind of the same way. Like Max Kane, I've always been like a Max Kane fan, a supporter when he was babyface, and and it's like when he won the hardcore title, even then back in '01, I believe it was seven. Yeah, seventeen was in '01, and even back then, Kane was only you know four years, three and a half years in the business, and he was still going through that up and down of winning and losing, and wasn't necessarily getting um, as dominant as he was in '97 and '98. And when he won, I mean, I it, it was a great moment for me. I, I was like, man, this is awesome. They actually put a belt on Kane, and they're running with it. And I think it was a great idea to do that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it was uh, – that, to me, was was my favorite uh, hardcore title moment. Uh, you know what's so funny? I used to I used to have a feature on, uh, on the show called uh, Stump the Host, and I, I used to have – uh, people, this has been wow, a year, probably a year or so ago. I, I started a couple of years ago, I believe, but I haven't done one in a while. And I think I'm going to do it back. I think I'm going to have one back uh, coming up soon because I see a question here. Someone's trying to stump the host. Who was the first guy to destroy the winged eagle belt? And that was uh, Kurt Hennick. That was Kurt Hennick uh, for some reason. Um, and when he was feuding with... Uh, with Hogan and uh, uh, almost won, and him and the genius, uh, he he took the hammer and he just crushed it. So, yeah, Kane losing the title one day killed him. Uh, to be honest, yeah, yeah. When when he did that with with Austin, it was uh, definitely um, a horrible, <laughs> a horrible, a horrible way to to really make someone important out of Kane. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to Raw. We get to the New Day against uh, Randy Orton. It was first starts off with the Orton and Ambrose talking to the ring to open up Raw. And just kind of glossing over, you know, hey, so by the way, we're going to tag against each other and go against Strowman and Harper for Raw uh, for, for not a champion or telling a cell. So, one... Why is this? Why is that part of the feud continuing? And then two, what about why is Orton and Ambrose saying, "Okay, well, we are alone. I mean, we're, we're separate. We're, we're kind of lone wolves." Or Randy Orton's like, "Well, there's anybody who I would want to team with. It'd be you." And I, you know, I, I don't. This this whole Orton Ambrose team against the Wyatt family to me just doesn't make any sense. It it goes to show what really type of investment they have in Orton and Ambrose right now. The only thing, the only payoff I can see from this, since Cena's going to be gone until you know he's not he's not booked until I believe after Christmas, so he's going to be gone. Um, the reports are saying that he's shooting a reality show. So that takes about six to eight weeks to to finish up. So he's not booked until right around Christmas time. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see no Survivor Series with Cena too. Although no one's seen it, he'll pop in real quick and be somebody's be on somebody's team. But you won't see no more Cena as far as the limelight main one of the main guys for the next two months. 
So you're going to have to project that new next big baby face out there, for, at least for the next two months, to feud against Seth Rollins because, you know, there's not – I don't think there's any shot that Kane's going to be champ and carry it over until whenever. So who's that next baby face, Ryan? And then secondly, is this planting seeds to a Orton and Ambrose – Feud and who's the baby face out of this? Well, I'll <clears throat> answer the the second question first. Um, I would actually run with Randy Orton and Ambrose as a tag, a successful tag team that has animosity towards each other. You know, maybe give it a two to three months go round, um, and then have Ambrose turn on Orton, um, can't do another Orton turn, and it wouldn't matter anyways. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'd run with that. Have Ambrose to be the guy who turns heel on Orton, maybe uh, actually win, you know. Ambrose would win against Orton. And uh, as for the next baby face, man, I – Sadly, that's a really hard question. I don't know if that person's on this roster. I mean, we all like Cesaro, but we know that's not going to happen. There's guys we like. It's just they've dumbed everybody down. Nobody matters. Um, Having a championship doesn't even help you anymore. It just, I don't, everybody's a lapdog for the authority. Like, they've overaccomplished their goal as heels. Um, to the point that this roster is just decimated. I seriously don't know who's going to step up. Yeah, yeah, I, I dude, I don't, I don't know either, and that's that's the issue. And that, and the, and the thing is, uh, again, you know, just like you said, Cesaro should be the guy. He he should be the guy even when Cena's there. And and it's so mm-hmm. funny. I, I've been listening to some, you know, some reading some articles and listening to some podcasts and and, and um, just taking some takes. And it's so funny that a lot of the people who I listen to these days are, are saying things. The a lot of things that a lot of people, a lot of the things that people are saying recently are saying are, are the same things that I've been saying for a long time. It just seems like so many people are agreeing with the fact that, and I said this actually, I think that I said this a couple of shows ago, back in you know ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, even two thousand two, there were a cluster of people. There were a breed of people who they were setting to be the next people, the next, you know, class, so to speak. And, you know, you had Jericho, you had Rock, you had Austin, uh, you know, going into the 2000s, you had Guerrero, uh, you had Lesnar, you know, you even had, you know, Benoit. And so those people, you, you had, you always, it always came in groups of people. Even Batista and Orton going into you know early two thousands and Kurt Angle of course, and so you had a number of people that were setting us into the future of the WWE and they were booking them to be top talent. And nowadays, we I mean since really the Cena era, and I've said this before on the show, since the Cena era, so at least the last decade, I would say Edge, I would say. 
Orton. I I really can't think of anyone else, and even and possibly a Batista, and even those people that I named, they they still were in the shadows of John Cena. That's the reason why I absolutely loved Ruthless Aggression era. I I mean that's that really to me, other than old school wrestling, and everybody knows I'm a traditionalist and love old school wrestling. Ruthless Aggression was really my favorite era in, in wrestling. I love the Monday Night Wars just because of the fact, I mean, just because of the tradition that came with that, and just because I would literally would have my remote and flip the channels for two hours a night. I would literally do that every week. And But Ruthless Aggression just had such an amazing pool of talent that they actually was doing something that what they were they were building up Jericho. Well, Jericho was champ in, in what ninety two thousand one, so they were building Jericho. They were building Guerrero. They were building Benoit. They were building uh, you know Cena eventually, Orton, Batista, Lesnar, Angle, and all of those names could main event a show, and it'd be ridiculously interesting. Even Booker T at that time. So they had, and, and of course they had the split, and that helped too. They had so many names that could headline a show. If you had, if you had someone leave or get injured, I remember times when Austin was injured and gone for months. Triple H was injured, you know, he was gone for nine months. You know, Taker was injured with that groin injury. Uh, he was gone for almost a year. So you had all of these names that were injured and gone for quite some time. But we, but the WWE didn't miss a step at that time because they still had so many names to back up those injuries. If John Cena was injured and gone for a year, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine what the state of the WWE would be if John Cena was injured and gone for a year like Edge did when he broke his neck. He was gone for a year. And, you know, Austin broke broke his neck, gone for a year. So, it's it's amazing to even think about just the revolving door of talent you have when someone's injured. Big Show was injured but at the time too, you know, a couple times. And but they still had the names. Kane even, you know, he was he was a big name at that time. Of course Taker. Rock was making so, movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Rock wasn't even there, you know, full time after 2001. So it's it's amazing to think about all of those names that we said, at least a half a dozen solid names that were there, you know, to to to, to help build the company, but you really only have one name now and that name is John Cena and that to me is one of the reasons one of the biggest reasons why we don't see the, those same numbers as we have in the past. Yeah, there's no there's no mid card. There's no like I always say, back in the day you would care about an Al Snow big boss man match, speaking of hardcore stuff. Um you know, Val Venus and D Lo Brown. You know, like today it's just like, oh, Seamus and Barrett, wow, who cares? That's that's how they exactly. run these guys, that there's no story to them. Um, my question to you, because I heard somebody talk about this. 
what would an old school what would an episode of old school raw look like fifteen years from now? Is it just gonna be Cena? Wow. <laughs> Who are the stars that are gonna be around for old school raw fifteen years from now? Yeah, I Wow. Uh, 15 yeah. <laughs> years from now, you're thinking of people who are in their 20s, so that includes Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, and, and I think Roman Reigns just turned 30 recently, this year or last year. So he still counts. He'll still be in his early to mid-40s. So those, I mean, the Shields or the guys, and then, you know, you you, went, you can't say Cesaro because Cesaro was 36, so he won't be around <laughs> in, in, in 15 years. Uh, your your Bray Wyatt, you know he's in his twenties still, so he'll he'll probably be around. He'll I think I think Bray Wyatt will probably have that mankind slash Brian Pillman type push. I hope it's the mankind side because Brian Pillman was such an anomaly and such a unique character. You know that's that's the thing with anomalies like Sting and Taker, especially Taker. Taker never needed a title to be somebody, you know, but I think I'm glad that they put titles on him because it just shows the hard work that he had that, but, but someone like Jake Roberts, you know, it, to me, Jake Roberts and Brian Pilmer are their two biggest examples of, of characters who was so much in their, in their character. Their people were so much in their characters, so unique characters that the writers actually thought that not putting a title on them would work and help them. And, and it's like us us and the audience are thinking, like, why in the world did you never put a title on Jake Roberts? Not one single title, not even a mid-card title, not even a tag team title. So Bray Wyatt, I you know, I, I kind of fear that he's going to have that Jake Robert effect. I, I just... You know, I don't know if Bray Wyatt carrying a title with his lantern is really going to, you know, diminish his character or hurt his character a little bit. So I don't know if I don't know if I would put Bray Wyatt into a top tier guy as far as a main event character. But of course, you'll have your Seth Rollins and your Roman Reigns and your Dean Ambrose. But still, now's the time to really build them to make them legitimate stars, and they're doing such a gross job at that. I'll, I'll let you reveal that stat that you told me about earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, when we get to that Kane and Seth Rollins match, I, oh, all the listeners on WAWNation.com and Twitter, prepare yourselves because Ryan has a stat that is just going to blow you away and you'll probably barf or at least, yeah. or at least try not to to, to do that. It's just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Nikki, speaking of barf, Nikki Bella defeats Naomi, and uh, man, this this divas revolution is just. I mean, I, I I really don't know what to say about this. It's you're bringing you're bringing Natalia. In and you're calling them Team NBC, so I wonder if you have to pay the station royalty, you know, royalty fees every time you say it. So it's like I really don't. NBC doesn't even sound right as opposed to PCB. You know, of course you couldn't say the sorority sisters or whatever they were, sorority sisters. Uh, you can't say that because uh, you know 
the uh, the porn site's going to send you care packages like they did, uh, you know, like they did, and 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 the reason why they weren't the sorority sisters anymore because they found out they didn't do their research. They found out it was some type of porn site, and then you know, it, it, from from the reports that I had and, and and that I saw that confirmed it, I think it boosted up their site like. 60% the first day or something like that and then just residually it's, it was like 20 to 30%. And so they actually sent the WWE a care package. And oh, so yeah, that's that's the reason why you don't that's the reason why you do your research before you plug an A on somebody. But yeah, just it team NBC doesn't even sound right. You're just throwing Natalia in there just because and it's already a sinking ship. Team bad doesn't even mean anything anymore. You're saying we want Sasha, which is counterproductive to the whole team bad gimmick. You're showing very emotional segments of Sasha Banks, but she's a heel. So people are emotionally attached to a heel. It just does, This whole thing does not make sense whatsoever. No, not at all. Um, Divas Revolution. It's just it started out okay, and then it has floundered, and they are back to square one. Um, we want Sasha Chance. If WWE is smart, they would get her by herself. I mean, she. We all know she's a star. She's a cash cow. Probably don't want to refer to a female as a cow, but in this instance, yeah. Um. And I'm tired of hearing that Naomi is the most athletic diva on the roster when she's known for at least one botch a night. It's like one botch every match. Um, And then Nikki also, she's still robotic. I don't get why they are giving her all these, like, bigger person moves, like – like, what is she, like 120 pounds, and they act like yeah. she's 200 pounds? <laughs> Very robotic in the ring. Um, but my main thing is just I, I would get Sasha alone. Um, whether heel or face, I think there's a lot of money in her on the diva side for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just especially, you know, me and you have coined a phrase when it comes to pro wrestling and that strike while the iron's hot and uh, there's been so many missed opportunities that they didn't do that you know they didn't do it with Owens you know thank God that they tried to salvage him by uh, making him the Intercontinental Champion however we're not seeing a lot of Owens on you know Raw of course he's doing this you know Lucha Dragons feud but that doesn't really there's not a lot of interaction with him and Ryback which doesn't make any sense, and so again, it's, it's you. You kind of wonder: Is this a part of the IC title curse still? Because you know, yeah, Owens won it, but your feud against Ryback, who wasn't properly built as champion in the first place, so beating Ryback again is not going to help you as Intercontinental Champion. And it, it comes to the, it comes to the point where. 
I mean, I really think that an Owens Orton feud would be best for business at this point. I, I just, re- I really think he. And the thing is, there's not. He needs to be feuding with that top babyface to really put over the Intercontinental title. Because here's the thing: if there's a bunch of mid carters that aren't strong mid carters that haven't proven themselves to be top. Mid carters or upper mid carters, if the better is just being tossed around with mid card talent that doesn't ascend themselves to be main eventers, it, it just kind of defeats the purpose of the mid card title. I mean, if you think of the Intercontinental Championship, you know, back in the in the nineties, you know, you had people like Bret Hart win it and become champion. You had people like Shawn Michaels win it and become champion. You had people like you know even. Dating back to the 80s, you had people like the Ultimate Warrior winning champ. Rick Fruit wins and becomes, you know, a champ in WCW. You know, he was international world uh, heavyweight champion in, in, in WCW. So you still had people win the titles and become world champions in, in, in some way, you know, in the 80s and the 90s. But you're shuffling the Intercontinental title with mid-card talent. And that doesn't do anything to elevate the title. You're not elevating the title if you keep shuffling with people who aren't being elevated. It just it just doesn't make sense at all from a logical standpoint. You elevate the title when you put it on someone to elevate the title. So just by, by Kevin Owens defeating Ryback at at uh, at Hell in a Cell, that's not going to do anything to elevate the title. You need to go against someone who would help it, and then that's the way to build the title, put the prestige back on the title. And, and uh, unfortunately, again, there's not a there's not a strong set of baby faces right now. There's, there's not really a strong set of anyone, but it's not there's not a strong set of baby faces right now. Legendary baby faces that's been built up over the years that Kevin Owens can feud against it that will help elevate the championship and that's that's incredibly unfortunate. John Cena against Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler uh he accepts the the US Open Challenge. Real quick, uh who was Oklahoma and WCW? Who was Oklahoma and WCW? That is the trivia question. So Cena and Ziggler, this is the reason why I actually liked that this happened. Because we were, you know, there were so many reports throughout the week that they were talking about the whole Total Divas crap and, you know, transferring that over to Raw with, you know, Dolph Ziggler, who was legitimately dating Nikki Bella, you know, a few years back. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, both of them can tell you that they dated. And plus, you know, you saw Total Divas. I only see bits and pieces of Total Divas nowadays. I just don't. I don't invest myself to to <laughs> I'm already I'm already being nauseated with the product. I don't want to be nauseated with, you know, total divas on top of that. And so just just because, you know, for for topic standpoints, I keep myself uh abreast so to speak of just topics throughout but specifically total divas and understanding the, you know, with Dolph Ziggler was trying to woo Nikki and blah, blah, blah. 
I'm so glad that they didn't translate that over to Raw because that would have been one of the worst just books and just there there would be no anticipation, no interest, nothing at all. And so I'm glad that they did this match. It seems like it's going to be a one-off match. And so the reason why I'm happy that they did it is because they probably won't, seemingly, there won't be a build, you know, to it because uh, Hell in a Cell is only two and a half weeks away. So the build has to be quick. The only thing I can think of is Cena doing an open challenge at Hell in a Cell and somebody beating him, you know, for, for the title. And that would make sense since he's going going away. That would be the only thing that would make sense to me. And so, and that would actually be intriguing. So we, because we would want to know who the person is and whoever it is, we're, if we like them, we're happy because they probably will win. So that would bring a lot more intrigue than just throwing together a feud with Ziggler. Uh, Definitely. I thought if they would have re-signed Carlito, he could have been a good person to pick to come in at Hell in a Cell. And, you know, since he beat Cena in his first match for the U.S. title years ago, and then I wouldn't have Cena come back until the first Raw of the new year. I would have just gave him the full two months and then you know, when he comes back, he has somebody to work with. So, you know, it's kind of not hard to <laughs> put programs together. Um, yeah. Yeah, and as for Total Divas, you're right. Seasons one through three were pretty entertaining, whatever. Uh, this fourth season's turned into like a real housewives or basketball wives or whatever. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's gotten too catty for me. It's tough. Uh I think Dolph, uh, after last night, maybe should go heel. I'm not sure, but once again, it's just, I mean, I know it's like the Kane and Big Show effect, how many times are you going to turn, but Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. This this face run gotten old for me. Um, And by the way, his gear, his pants are like a mix between uh, 90s Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels gear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, big time. Yeah. <laughs> and the also, funny thing about what, that, that, that yeah, I was going real, real quick, I was going to say the funny thing about that is is actually a little bit of a change in his character, a little bit. One minor tweak is better than nothing to me. So when he came out with the tights, I said, at least something different. Yeah, yeah, no. Um and also, Cena in Chicago in that same thing. Oh, I have my first match here. Yada yada. That Chicago crowd's been getting owned by him because they end up falling for it. They're like, "Yay, he said Chicago!" And I'm like, "What happened, man? You guys are supposed to be this tough crowd." Uh, but I do remember that against Angle, and he ruthless aggression slaps him in the face. Oh, yeah, another ruthless aggression reference in this episode, and also yes. congrats to the uh, couple who got engaged. <laughs> indeed, indeed. You know, so funny about that. I actually had a conversation with a colleague of mine today, and he was totally opposed to that. He he said, "Why oh, wow. would Cena?" Yeah, he said, "Why would Cena do that in the middle of the match?" Because he's just, Cena. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was like, you know, his his point his point was arguable. His point was at least worth worth considering. You know, he he felt as if it was a a knock to to Ziggler that he would just stop mm. and just acknowledge that, and you know, and and then I asked him. Would you be upset if Ziggler did it? And he said, "Yeah." So you know, it just didn't make sense after that. But I, I think Cena might have been a little frustrated too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> That's uh, why he, he did it. <laughs> and Cena and Cena calls audibles all the time when he when he mm-hmm. you know at his will because he has the he has the clout to do that. You know, if Ziggler did that, he'd probably you know be losing the next dozen matches. But unfortunately, you know, Cena has that type of clout that he could, you know, interrupt a, a match in the middle of it and, and you know, and acknowledge the proposal, which I'm okay with. I mean, I, you know. And it's just a raw match. Exactly. Exactly. It's not no pay per view or no big match. And, you know, and I'm cool. I, I was cool with it. I think it was something. I mean, the thing is, here's. We're. They were in, already in Chicago. Chicago's already known as a raucous crowd. You know, they they call audibles all the time within you know different things, and so calling an audible in that sense just fits right into that type of crowd. Now, if it was you know, you know, if it was like uh, Anchorage, Alaska, or something like that, it, it 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 would be a bit different because they're not they're they're probably not going to be as in, involved in the match, and then. You randomly say, "Oh yeah, well, is someone oh engaged? Oh yeah, she said yes." And so you know that would be the biggest pop of the night, and that would just kind of take away you know all the wrestling matches because they weren't popping for that. So you know, with with the Chicago crowd, it was it was a bit different, and uh, and 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 I was explaining to my colleague, I said I didn't have a problem with it at all because you have to think about. The fact where you have the dirt sheets and you have the network, you know, kayfabe is basically thrown out the door, you know, at, at this point, you know, in and, and wrestling. You know, I still, from a traditionalist standpoint, I still be, I am an, a staunch believer of clear-cut faces and clear-cut heels. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, just because, like I said before, I... I compare pro wrestling to Marvel or DC Comics. I think you know the green, you know, the Green Goblin will never, you know, be uh, a good guy, or or you know, Batman would never be a heel. You know what I mean? So it's not like people just say I'm a big Batman fan, and he's like, okay, he's a bad guy, he's doing bad things. No, I mean he's an he's an antihero, he's a vigilante. And people like him. He's the good guy of 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 the bunch. He for every good all guy, things, there should be a bad guy. All all entertainment, all TV, movies, yep, whatever. Good versus evil. That's mm-hmm. usually what it boils down to ninety percent of the time, whether Absolutely. superhero or not. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and we shouldn't we shouldn't create that blur. I understand people like certain certain wrestlers, but when you break and I think even Heyman said this on the podcast. He was talking about that, you know, as far as it's still, you know, it's funny because I said that on a show, the show before the podcast, and when he said it, I was just like jumping for joy inside, like, you know, someone put the stamp of what I said. Someone like Paul Heyman, 
you know, put a stamp on what I said because I, you know, I, I, I'm an avid supporter of that. And I think the blur is actually hurting wrestlers these days because you don't have those – because turns aren't as meaningful as they used to be. When you have people who create a blur between a baby face and a heel – and then, or or someone who keeps turning back and forth, like I remember the days where even turns meant something. Like those are the days that that should come back. As far as you're building a character so much that even a turn means something. I remember when Billy Jack Haynes turned heel in Portland wrestling. And he was such this baby face for so long in the WWE, feuding with Hercules and, and just being, I mean, he was the the mid-carder, wore the Oregon uh, shorts, you know, he, he had the yellow and the green. And Billy Jack Haynes made a heel turn, and it was a big deal for me, you know, because Billy Jack Haynes was such a baby face for so long. And that's how I felt. A gentleman, Chris Adams, he was another person who was a baby face for a long time. When he made a heel turn, you know, it was it was meaningful when he made the heel turn. The Freebirds, when they turned in world class, you know, they they were they were such a huge baby faces before, you know, they were feuding with the Von Ericks. And when they turned, it meant something. When you know, when Michael Hayes was in the cage and and turned. It meant something when that happened, and so that's why turns turns builds characters. I remember when Jake turned heel um, when he did the whole segment with the Ultimate Warrior, the whole "Do you trust me?" thing, and and the Ultimate Warrior and the Undertaker, and for weeks and weeks, you know, uh, he was earning he was earning the trust of the Undertaker. And he was a baby face for so long. He, I mean, he was a heel, and then he became a. Then he, when he turned, feuded with the feuded with the honky tonk man, was a baby face for a number of years. Was just one of the best baby faces. And then when he made the turn, just the just the build to the turn was amazing. He was having segments with the with the Ultimate Warrior. Do you trust me? Having him go through different things, and at the very end, the last segment, he puts him in the room full of snakes, and then, you know, he he passes out, and then the Undertaker's, you know, uh, then they do a, a shot to the Undertaker, and just absolutely amazing. And then just a a vicious heel turn by Jake Roberts. The whole "Do you trust me?" angle, biting uh, Randy Savage's arm, getting him out of reinstate, uh, reinstating him back, getting him out from the announcers' booth back into wrestling because he was retired against the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, come on! I mean, stuff like that to me is just classic babyface and heel character development. What about today's society? Do they not get with that? I don't know, man, but I'll go off your heel turns and just, like I said, a good old-fashioned face turn that you see coming slowly over time. It's just, just makes you feel good, man. Like, just yeah, knowing somebody's a jerk and then you're like, well, wait a minute. They're really good and I want to cheer them. Then they start slowly doing cool things or playing to the crowd or nice things and then to finally, like, well, dang, now I can cheer this person. This is cool. But, uh, yeah, no, just 
turns, like you said, it's that's fun stuff, man, and it just it only adds to the character more. It only makes you care more. Yeah, yeah. I even remember recently, you know, I think it was what oh five when uh, Michaels turned on uh, Hogan, uh, or was oh, it oh yeah. six? I think it was. I think it was oh five. Oh five. Yeah, <clears throat> and so. Yeah, I mean, just the the tag team match that they had, and then Hogan doing the whole. I mean, and and, and Shawn Michaels came back. You know, he was you know very very pro Christian, and he came back and did this whole you know spiel with with that. And of course, you know me uh, and sharing the same beliefs as he does. You know, very avid pro Christian myself, and I was like, okay, great. You know, Shawn Michaels, and still understanding the fact that he's in wrestling. And but still uh, respecting the fact that he was unashamed about expressing that, and when he made that turn to me, it was awesome. I absolutely loved it when he made that turn because Shawn Michaels is notorious. Now he's had a couple ups and downs too, but the thing is about Shawn Michaels is Shawn Michaels has probably he's probably he's probably the best unexpected. Turner ever <laughs> because there's been countless amount of times where I mean of course the barbershop window episode and then you know the the most recent turn I guess you can say a turn with the Daniel Bryan you know kicking him and you know just, just absolutely amazing when he was actually wrestling that turn with Hogan and just I mean the camera shot was Perfect. I mean, he did. Hogan did the salute. He turned around, and then the camera shot that hard. That hard angle was absolutely perfect because the only thing you saw was just a boot just going right in on, you know, and basically impaling uh, Hogan's chin, and it was absolutely amazing. And then soaking it all in, just standing there, it, it just that's a turn. That was only ten years ago. You know that that was a turn that was absolutely amazing, but we need to see better turns. You know, it. I, I think probably the, I think probably the coolest turn that we saw recently was the double turn of Triple H and Orton a couple of years ago at, at SummerSlam. Um, however, Orton and you know Orton has been notorious for keep flip flopping, anyways, but. It was unexpected, you know that that creates the shock value of turns, and that was one of the only times that it actually happened that it happened, you know. So it, it uh, yeah, no it, it was Ziggler. Yeah, but it, that was more they of a, a double, double turn. turn. That was really and, slow during that match. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It was a double turn, and we as a whole fans weren't invested in their characters enough you know because because Del Rio I didn't have an issue with him as his face run because you know they're looking for that you know that Mexican guy you know that Hispanic guy and so so I understand I understand why they wanted to make him face but it just it just wasn't working out, and so people didn't care about him being a babyface that much. And then when 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 Ziggler was heel, it just wasn't working either because he, you know, he was being shrouded by Vicky Guerrero heat. And then when he was with AJ, 
it still didn't make much sense. When he was with Big E, it was okay, but it's, people still weren't really inv- invested in his heel turn because Vic, he wasn't with Vicky anymore, and he just wasn't keeping that level of heat. And so, yeah, it just wasn't. The double turn was okay, but it definitely didn't cause mm-hmm. that shock value. Yeah. Next, uh, Ed Ferrara is the correct answer. And uh, as far as the trivia question, the next trivia question is, what was Dino Bravo's nickname? What was Dino Bravo's nickname? Uh, Barry Windham turning to uh, turning against Dustin Rhodes after losing against Steamboat and Douglas was great too. Yes, uh, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, I would even I would even go further back. I would say the Windham turn um, against uh, the Windham turn with Luger against uh, o, against Arn and Tully. Going, uh, becoming a member of the Four Horsemen. I think that was probably one of the best Wyndham turns. Um, and then, yeah, I think that was probably the best Wyndham turn. But that was great. What about and uh, the double- Rock and Brock? Rock and Brock. I mean, it was coming yeah. anyway for Rock. He had been getting it for weeks leading up, and right. Brock was just awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean that was one where during just one match it was just a double turn. Yeah, yeah, but it still wasn't a really shock. Like the 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 fans kind of made that turn. You know, what I mean it wasn't necessarily oh, a shock yeah. value oh, with that sure. because you know yeah. what I mean because it was a fan turn. It wasn't a double turn from a shock value perspective. Now mm-hmm. when Wyndham. Uh, you know, when Wyndham turned against Luger, you know, back in the day against, uh, you know, the Four Horsemen, becoming a horseman, first of all, he was joining a faction, so that's always exciting. And then, you know, Barry Wyndham was the guy. I mean, he, you know, he was just, you know, tall, blonde hair, just, uh, you know, just the, the lady yeah. man. You know, he was a, a stallion and, you know, and making that turn to the dark side, so to speak, was just a really good move, and it and it shocked people. It was a shocking turn. It was absolutely. And amazing. I haven't seen so, that. Can I find that on the network? What, oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It was. Uh, yeah, um, I don't remember exactly which. I'm sure that someone uh, who's uh, listening live will, will will say it or 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 make the mention of it. I don't remember exactly what offhand what. Um, I think it was just like, because the lighting wasn't huge, and they usually do the huge lighting for the pay-per-views, so I think it was just like a regular house show, like a regular um, show. I don't think it was a pay-per-view, but I know it was Luger and Wyndham against uh, only uh, against Arn and Tully, and the it was awesome. And I'm sure you can you can catch. I mean it's. Uh, I'm sure it's yeah. all over YouTube, um, but just to, if you want to watch the turn itself, you can definitely watch YouTube. But it was uh, basically Luger was going away from the Horsemen, and then um, T 
teaming with with Barry because he was you know he he needed some somebody to help him with with this this feud with the Horsemen and so Barry and Luger was teaming for a while and then they went against uh, Ole uh, they went against Arn and, and, and Tully and the 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 all the, what was so amazing about it was the turn came from Luger being uh, um, off he was he was on the corner. And there was a time where he got hit, and he was off the apron when Barry Wyndham was trying to tag him. And so mm-hmm. Wyndham felt as if he was abandoned by Luger. And then J.J. Uh, J. Dillon was on the other side uh, saying, I told you, I told you. You know, it just it just caught just just the just the art form of that. Like J. J. Dillon telling the baby face on the other side, I told you, I told you. Enough to convince him to believe that Luger was out to get him and then uh he brings Luger in, tags him. He like he, he puts he picks Luger up, puts him on the apron, tags him, and he close he does, you know, the, his finishing move was the Lariat. So he brings him in the ring, puts him in a lariat, allows you know him to get pinned, and walks out with J.J. Dillon. And just, oh, absolutely yeah, impeccable! Yeah. I mean, just just amazing writing right there. Just we, we're into it. We're we're just just this suspense and, and engagement. It doesn't exactly. involve human resources. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's nothing corporate about that. Uh, absolutely. See, yep. See, that's why I love the live audience. Happened in Jacksonville, Florida. It was a tape show, not a pay per view or clash. That, that's that's what I exactly. That's what I thought. Um, uh, Honky and Honky Tonk Man and, and Roberts at Mania Three was a, a, a double turn. No, not necessarily because Roberts was coming in as the babyface at the time. I think the turn came from the snake pit. Um, the, the, the the feud came from the snake pit to lead to the match at WrestleMania three because uh, uh, Hunky Tonk Man uh, was coming with Jimmy Hart and Roberts coming with uh, Alice Cooper, and Roberts was still a heel at the snake pit, and then he got he got into it with Hunky Tonk Man. Hunky Tonk Man left and came back, and then. Smacked him with what was actually was a real, um, a real guitar, and actually gave him a concussion. So, yep. Um, so next we next we get to, uh, you know, Dully Boys and Ascension. That, that to me that was just a filler match. That that, that just <laughs> they, they just wanted to put the Dully Boys over to, and I, I just don't understand why. Why aren't you putting? Why, why aren't you keeping? The New Day left last week on top. Why are they being the first match, and why do they have absolutely no interaction with the Dudley Boys, who they took out the week before, who they're fighting for the title, but you're keeping them away from each other. You need all the time you can possibly get to build a feud, especially nowadays, and they don't have any interaction. I mean, it just I, I don't understand it at all why they would just have just the W boys just wrestle a regular match, the Ascension, and the Ascension, you know, they're supposed to have this, you know, Astro Alliance, Cosmic weight, uh, Wasteland type thing, whatever they're called. 
I think they're called the Astro Alliance now or something like that. And so you're trying to build that up, but you're not because your ascension is still randomly losing matches. I, I just don't understand the the continuity of the writing. Ascension just, they either need to, I know they want to, I'm pretty sure, but they just need to go back home to full sale. So <laughs> yeah. that, that's all yeah. I can say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm sure, to be honest with you, I'm sure Neville feels the same way too because, no, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, he was the man in NXT. I mean, he, champion, he looked the longest so strong. Training. They made him look yes. so strong. Absolutely. And now it's just nothing. He is mighty. He is the mighty mouse he can make now. Yep. He oh. sure is, man. Absolutely. And just such a long reign as champion, such, you know, great feuds with Sami Zayn at the time. He showed range uh, when he teased a little bit of the heel turn at that time. Yes, exactly. Uh, I remember that like it was yesterday because I was like, are they really going to turn Neville heel? I mean, he was in you know, such a, a great feud with Bo Dallas, and at that time they were they were they were teasing the turn, and, and it was it was very interesting that they didn't didn't do it. I'm okay that they didn't do it, but at the same time, it's like they still built him as a very strong character just to bring him on the main roster. And I mean, that's the reason why, when I saw him after, uh, after WrestleMania, I was so like, I, I just, I was so disinterested. I, I was just feeling like I was, I was discouraged. I was kind of disheartened that they did that. When he came out, I said, Oh no. Like I just, they're going to do it with Neville too, and they tried with the whole Barrett angle, King Barrett, and then when going from Barrett to uh, this last uh, Stardust, and just you know, they're really to the point where Neville is just a second-rate nothing now, just about and. Yeah, he's he's going to the point where I mean he didn't even he wasn't even on Raw, <laughs> leading to the pay per view. I mean yeah. that pretty much says it all right there. They don't even have it's a three hour show, but they don't have a spot for Neville, but they have two spots for the Divas, who is a sinking ship. They actually have three Diva spots, counting the Summer Rae spot. So you have three segments for Divas, but you don't have one segment for someone like Neville. So that right there is a pretty, pretty bad sign for, for Neville. Three hours and you can't have a cruiserweight division to dedicate right. one cruiserweight match a week. That, I mean, right. that's where Neville would be able to shine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, him him having a mid-card championship is just, again, like I said, in order for a title to elevate, someone becomes elevated when they when they beat someone who's already elevated. And, uh, I mean, you're going to have to build Neville really hard. And I don't know if that's – I don't know if Neville's WWE stint right now – is salvageable anytime soon, and it's so it's so sad to just throwing him with you know the Lucha Dragons and you know people like that. It's just absolutely oh he I think he did 
You know what? Yeah, he did because he went against. Uh, he teamed up with. Uh, he teamed up with Cesaro. That, yeah, it was a tag team match. That goes to show how much. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I didn't remember. It was him, and he lost. Anyways, but it was uh, him and Neville. Him and Cesaro losing against Sheamus and King Barrett, and that pretty much says it all as far as you know when, as far as what they're going to do with Neville and the fact that Cesaro is just getting just ridiculously losing all the time, and, and he was the man. But it's so funny Stardust wasn't there. You know, I I know that for a fact. You know, Neville was there, and you know, in hiding basically. But Cesaro, but Stardust wasn't there at all. So, just these people not necessarily that not being booked correctly is just absolutely ridiculous. And speaking of speaking of not being booked correctly, oh my goodness, this to me was the worst. It was the most just saddening to me. It, I mean, it was just it was the it it was like a leech. To me, just 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 sucking my blood and taking all of my energy every single second I was watching this. Uh, before I go into that and just feel like shedding a tear, uh, Canadian Strongman is the, uh, or the Dino Bravo's nickname. Uh, great job on that. Next question. Uh, next trivia question. Berlin and WCW was better known as who? Berlin and WCW was better known as who? Uh, so here, here, here it goes for me. Uh, see, and and, uh, and people, uh, it's 185 shows. People know. I would say that people who've watched, who've listened to this show at least half of the time, would know my wrestling take, my pro wrestling take. And they know that I love wrestling. I can I can just come up with hundreds of trivia questions and answer hundreds of trivia questions on top of my head. I love wrestling. And when I think of wrestling, I think of protecting people, protecting characters. If you want us to really invest in a character, you have to protect that character. They protect Hogan. People were invested in Hogan. They protect Savage. People were protect. People were invested in Savage. They protected Andre. People were invested in Andre and Warrior and whoever else. Undertaker, especially especially the Undertaker. So you're protecting, and of course Cena. You're protecting your wrestlers. You're making them shine. You're making them. You're accentuating their strengths, and you're protecting their weaknesses. That's what you do when you build a star. Is Hulk Hogan in the top 100 best wrestlers of all time? Absolutely not, ever. But wrestling really is crazy. You know, as much as I disagree with his ridiculous actions, you know, that's been reported from a from a wrestling historian standpoint, there would not be this type of wrestling to be on this type of level without Hulk Hogan, period. And it was it because he was a good wrestler? Absolutely not. It was because they, brand, they the, the brand of Hulk Hogan 
was based on protecting him as much as possible and feuding against Big Man and having that one half of the two types of pops that I say constantly week in and week out that will always be successful. And even Greg Gagne agreed with me, and he's a legend in the business. The underdog pop and the mystique pop. Togan got the underdog pop with his feud with Andre, with his feud with Earthquake, with his feud with Bundy, with his feud with Undertaker. The list goes on. They protected him. He got that underdog pop. He got the crowd behind him, and he didn't have to wrestle a lick, but people still love Talk Hogan. Why in the world are you putting a mic on Roman Reigns for more than 20 seconds? He It, it was cringeworthy watching Roman Reigns in there, and, and people know I'm a Roman Reigns mark. But how dare the WWE expect for him to be the next guy? If he's holding a mic, he, the mic was probably drenched in sweat, and if he could take as many acting classes as he wants to, he's not necessarily a mic guy. He's not a promo guy. You can't just you can't force someone to be good on the mic. You're going to learn it yourself. I mean, The Rock wasn't a good promo guy at first, but he he caught on. You know, he found his niche. Roman Reigns is not there, and he's not there by a long shot. Now, you know, throughout this year, his his mic work has gotten better, but I mean. What the heck was the WWE trying to do? You give him a mic in the Chicago crowd, and he's giving us a history lesson about him and Bray that we've seen since June. We've seen this for four months now, and we've had all types of 30-second you know, vignettes about it. So why do we care about your history lesson between you and Bray? It was absolutely awful booking in such a horrible, horrible way to utilize Roman Reigns in that form. It was definitely a step back as far as WWE's writing with with uh, with Roman Reigns. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, and then Bray comes out and talks too. On top of all that, but exactly, uh, I think I don't know, man. Maybe they're just giving him too much, and he can't handle all the points he's supposed to hit in the promo, and that's why it comes across weird like that. But I totally agree this was not the city for them to let him talk this long. Um, that was that was a huge mistake. I don't know. Maybe they thought he could have won that crowd over, but huge mistake. Um, the actual promo wasn't, like, wasn't stupid or anything. It was a meaningful pro- promo, but it just they weren't trying to hear it. It was just that crowd trying to get themselves over, and that's that same crowd. If Reigns was a heel, they would have cheered him. So, yeah, I, I just I don't know what to do with him. Yeah, uh, just a horrible, horrible way to. Hey, Roman. So I just don't. I just don't understand how you in the back with the writing team and 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 knowing that even now. You know, this this very second Roman Reigns is still the heir apparent to John Cena. There has not been any reports to say otherwise. Roman Reigns is still the guy. You're doing a good job with you know pulling an Austin circa '97 and having him win the Royal Rumble, but still giving the the whole year to just kind of develop himself as a character. 
very good, and and then of course uh, Austin ended up winning. You know, a year later, after he a year almost a year and a half after he won the, his first uh, Royal Rumble. So I like that, but you know, you just don't. If you're going to protect them, protect them. If you're going to build him, build him right. You don't just think about in a production meeting. This is what we're going to do to kill time and to build this feud. And we're going to put a mic on Roman Reigns. Just, I wonder if the writing team actually looks at previous week's tapes. I mean, that's really the only thing that you have to do is look at previous tapes and realize that keeping a mic or giving a mic to Roman Reigns for for five minutes probably is not the best thing to do, or even close to it. So absolutely ridiculous. And then his his uh, match with Strowman wasn't bad. I just don't know how much they're going to build Strowman, you know, because interesting, you know, with the whole not falling down thing that he was doing gimmick, you know, it was a gimmick. It was, it was a gimmick that was suspenseful, you know, when is he going to fall down? So I think that that had some, some money in it, but you know, it, it really didn't mean too much to me. Right back beating Rusev, I mean, again, talking about talking about protecting characters, why in the world is Rusev just having clean losses nowadays? It just doesn't make any sense. But the, the, the positive about that is I'm so glad that TMZ threw a wrench in all of this angle. You know, thank you, TMZ, because we <laughs> needed that wrench to be thrown in this angle. Summer Rae dumps Lana dumps Rusev because of the engagement to Lana. Congratulations. Smacks him and, and dumps him. I think that that was just an on-the-fly booking. I don't think that they have absolutely no clue what's next with with them, with Rusev or Summer Rae. And so I would, I would, I'm not a fan of on-the-fly booking, but in this regard, I would have rather seen on-the-fly booking any day than what I've been seeing the past few weeks. Yeah, and I guarantee that TMZ not broke that story, that wedding was going to go down eventually mm-hmm. um, with those two, and that's probably how Lana would have returned. Um, but, yeah, this storyline has just been such a cluster, and now Dolph's just completely away from it. And then in the end... I'm kind of wanting Rusev. I'm kind of feeling sorry for him and wanting him to be a face. And then now I'm looking at Dolph like a Tia heel. So <laughs> that just yeah. sums up the entire st- And And then uh, now Summer Rae has got Ruru stuck in my head also. <laughs> <laughs> Ruru. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm more excited in, in, in how we're going to book Reigns. So let's just gloss past these things here, um, or how we're going to book Rollins. Um, mm-hmm. So so Kevin Owens defeating Kalisto. We we talked about that, and then we talked about uh, you know just the other random segment of Bree and Alicia Fox uh, defeating Charlotte and Becky Lynch. Nothing to help Raw's ratings at all. So here's the thing: before other we than get Charlotte to, being the champ. And now she's losing to Brie Bella, who Brie is the biggest jobber. Like, which they put the belt uh, on Charlotte, and now she's taking the back burner. Wow! Of course, there's a revolution. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, to, I 
am not expecting it to go any either, any way, <laughs> any other way, because it's it's one of those things that you you get writers who don't understand the art of protecting a character. Now you know that's the reason why you have that's. The, so it, it reminds me when Barrett had the title, the Intercontinental title, and he would lose all the time. Cesaro, I remember when Cesaro had the United States Championship, and he would lose all the time. And you, you have you're having all these non-title matches with someone who's champion. It just just totally buries their character. They're taking the fall on the tag team match to someone again who's not going to get their character elevated because they're going to probably lose the next SmackDown. You know, so it's not it's not elevating main their event. character at all. <laughs> like, exactly. They're going to lose main event against Emma. You know, like so it's just not yeah. it, it's not helping their character at all. So why are you putting Brie Bella over Charlotte and it's not going to help Brie Bella at all? It just makes absolutely no sense to me. And what's also not making any sense to me is the fact that Seth Rollins losing on Raw. Okay, so help me understand this someone. So you have a regular match at Hell in a Cell. It's not even a Hell in a Cell match. It's just a regular match. And so a regular match happens at Hell in a Cell, but you have a gimmick match three weeks prior between the two people who are going to be in the world title match, Kane beats Seth Rollins. He pins him. Non-title match. So how am I going to believe that, one, Kane's going to win at the match, at a Hell in a Cell, and two, why are they doing a regular match after a gimmick match? Historically, you do a regular match, and to continue the feud, you end it or continue it with some type of gimmick match. Why in the world am I supposed to be excited about a regular Kane versus Seth Rollins match when three weeks prior you had a gimmick match with the two and Kane won? How am I? How is anyone supposed to be excited about that? You, of course, you can answer that, and please just lay. <laughs> Lay out that statistic that is absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, maybe last night's match should have been like a number one contendership to go to the pay-per-view and have the title shot. That you know, just a simple stipulation that makes sense. Um, yeah, and how are we supposed to believe that anything when Kane got beat down by what, like ten guys, and still beats Rollins, and this? Ladies and gentlemen, per Wrestling Observer, since September 8th, Seth Rollins as WWE champ is now, including house shows and TV, is now 1-17. and 17. Your WWE World Heavyweight Champion is 1-17 and 17 over the course of a month. How and why does that happen? And his, and his win... Oh, yeah, and his one win came at Night of Champions, which he lost earlier in the night. So, there you go. Absolutely. And they, so, Bye, this is why I take up for Seth. I say if 
One is the overexposure. Two is he loses a lot. I get, I still give him, you know, you got to still take the credit for yourself because, I mean, you got to have some jerk in you and maybe speak up in the back like, hey, what's going mm-hmm. on? And apparently he's not doing that. But I, I just don't see how you can go, how your champion of your company can go one and 17. That's insane. Absolutely. Um, one in one and win. And he's a heel. Heel wins. Yes. Faces lose. Like, that doesn't <laughs> make <lose>. sense. <laughs> Leading into the pay-per-view, at least. Just, yeah. oh, man, I, I just. Yeah, I and like I said, ten guys beat up Kane, and Kane still pinned Seth Rollins. Yes. It was exactly. like at least eight to ten lumberjacks they got in the ring. So, yeah, they, yeah, and that's the same thing. New Day, even New Day, they beat up all the people last week, and then this week one guy takes them out. So, yeah, one guy. They, yeah, I don't think they watched last tapes. week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they watched tapes from the week prior. Exactly, exactly. I don't think they watched tapes. They or, or four guys. They took out Cena, uh, Ziggler, and the and the uh, Dudleys. Four guys the week before, but Kane, who we're supposed to think is almighty again, takes out the New Day. Just oh man, just absolutely ridiculous. Again, one and seven. I'd love to see somebody. I'd love to see one of these mid carters or younger guys get a. Uh put over and look that strong as Kane did last night. Exactly. Not you know, <laughs> no disrespect to Kane, but there's nothing there's nothing about Kane that we're going to that's going to be a payoff at all ever anywhere. And so why in the world are we expecting for Kane to be some, you know, guy who who's going to get over and be a, you know, and be the future and 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 have the, you know, this type of dominance again. I just Someone like Cesaro, you know, should be that guy dominating in lumberjack matches because people, Cesaro's over. So it's just ridiculous with Seth Rollins. They're not again, like I've said. I mean, the the common theme of this show has been tonight has been ruthless aggression and protecting your 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 assets. Protect your assets, and they won't become liabilities. So with that. With that being said, we're going to go to Rollins' booking. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan and I are separately are going to book Seth Rollins from now until WrestleMania 32. Ryan, you have the honors. All right, so we're going to start here, of course, Hell in the Cell. Um, nothing special here. Uh, we're going to have Rollins go, of course. <laughs> He'll get his second win. Um, and then also, I make note, Taker beats Brock at Hell in the Cell. And then that that's what takes me to Survivor Series. And Taker beating Brock Lesnar gives Undertaker a title shot and you know, it goes with the whole nostalgia taker Survivor Series twenty five years ago debuting. Um, somehow Kane interferes and calls Taker the match by accident. So Seth lives to find another day. We move on to 
TLC stairs. Um, <laughs> and then this one, just because I don't think I, I've never thought there should be a pay per view in December. I think there should just, you know, maybe some recap show or nothing. Um, I would do, and then if Owens is still IC champ, Rollins is still world heavyweight champ, I would do those two versus the Dudleys and just some throwaway feud and like a TLC type of match. Um, Seems a little interesting to me, you know, Uh, nothing special. Uh, They go on, of course, they get put over. And then, all right, 2016, Royal Rumble, New Year, New Rules. Uh, If Daniel Bryan's healthy by then, I don't put him in the Royal Rumble match unless he's going to win it. So you give him a title shot against Seth Rollins. Uh, Of course, we all know the past few years, Daniel Bryan in the Royal Rumble match has not been so great. But, um, of course, Seth, once again, walks out champion, beats Daniel Bryan. Uh, Then we're at fast lane. I go Cesaro versus Rollins. Cesaro gets a shot. Um, got to work him up to get there, but got a couple months to do so. I would make it an endurance thing. I would have Seth say, hey, I'm going to go to WrestleMania. I've been champ for a year. I've endured this and that. And then that's when you have like a uh, two out of three falls match or maybe half hour Iron Man match. Um, and then that, either at the end of that or the very next day on Raw, which of course, Seth retains again. You see where I'm going with this. He's going to Mania with the belt. At the end of that one, that match, or either the very next day, that's when Sheamus tries to cash in. And Seth ends up pinning him and retaining, and Sheamus has an unsuccessful cash in. Not big on Sheamus with that briefcase at all, so that wouldn't bother me. Uh, and that would make Seth look strong. And then we get to WrestleMania Dallas, one-on-one. Seth Rollins against, as you said before, we know he's going to be the guy, Roman Reigns. Yes, he's won the Rumble. He's in. Um, And just for, you know, just to keep him relevant during that Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns one-on-one match, uh, Ambrose comes out, lays both guys out, just leaves. That's it. That's the only interference. Um Roman ends the year-long streak. I'm going Roman Reigns here because I know it will happen. All right. And then the next month, we finally get the Shield triple threat that I know eventually will happen. I'm shocked it hasn't happened yet. So in Extreme Rules, it all ends with the Shield triple threat for the title. Roman's the one walking in as champ. And if you want to go one further, whatever that next month is, maybe Roman and Dean have a feud over the title for a month or two. And then we are officially done with the Shield feuding with each other for at least two years. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so here's my my version. So Rollins goes over Kane, Hell in a Cell, of course. So Taker goes over Lesnar at Hell in a Cell as well. That leads to SummerSlam, 25th anniversary, built around The Undertaker, Rollins versus Undertaker at Survivor Series. At Survivor Series, Taker wins. Taker wins. Taker becomes WWE Champion, WWE World Heavyweight Champion, 25th anniversary. Here's his swan song. 
TLC, Rollins gets his match. Rollins beats The Undertaker in a ladder match. It protects Taker. It doesn't. He doesn't p- get, pin him. So it, Taker's still protected in a way because he loses in a re- ladder match, kind of like what Edge did to, uh, with Taker a while ago. Uh, Royal Rumble. Taker wants his rematch. Sheamus cashes in on Rollins at TLC and wins. And so we go into the Royal Rumble. Triple threat. Rollins versus Taker versus Sheamus. Rollins wins again. Fast lane. We get Rollins versus Reigns. Reigns somehow comes up the ladder. We get Rollins versus Reigns. Reigns wins by DQ. So he still gets a title match leading into WrestleMania, which leads to Rollins and Reigns again with the Royal Rumble winner, which is Dean Ambrose. Mm. So we get a shield triple threat. Rollins, Reigns, Ambrose at WrestleMania 32. And, of course, da-da, 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 believe that. Roman Reigns comes out the victor, and he wins the match. And there you go. Awesome booking there. Thank you so much, Ryan. We have to do this again soon. Uh, thank you so much for the fantastic, fantastic interaction over at WAWNation.com and on Twitter at Crave Wrestling. Until next week, please try your best to enjoy your week of wrestling. And at least next week, we'll have to talk about the uh, the, the podcast, the Austin podcast. And, uh, you know, you have a couple of names coming on. Uh, the roster next week, uh, the go-home show before, uh, uh, well, leading into, uh, yeah, the go-home show before Hell in a Cell, so they're stacking up the deck. So hopefully that'll be better. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. Daddy loves you and Elijah. Thank you, Ryan, and God bless. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.